Totally. And, you know, too often than none, most clients leave for that reason alone. It's not that performance is that detrimental is that they are paying for a service that they're not getting and you know my experience and my staff we are from those agencies that we worked with in the past and we've seen it time and time again and i think that too many agencies are focused on getting acquired or they're focusing on their revenue at the end of the day you want to keep your clients you want to retain them and grow them and you want to see them succeed well you better make sure that you have unbeatable customer support On this episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast, we have Casey from Skylab Media. He goes over the importance of being able to pivot the business when times are tough, A-B testing creative, and how one ad can change the whole bottom line, and why you need to diversify your marketing channels to maximize new customer growth year after year. This is a great episode, y'all, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, everybody, we're back in action with another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast. Today, we have a super awesome guest. This guy has worked at some massive agencies you're definitely familiar with, but now he has an agency of his own and he's managing, shoot, 100 plus million every single year with, of course, an omni-channel approach. Now, with that being said, we got Casey Roeder over from West Hollywood, California, Skylab. Oh, what's up? Oh, just saying hi. Oh, yeah. What's up? From Skylab Media. He's killing it. We had a good combo before. He's got some massive brands he works with. Fresh Clean Teas, Theragun, Trader Joe's, Canva. I mean, his track record is super sick. So, I mean, Casey, what's good, man? Nothing much, really. I'm just one day at a time, if you will. Um... <laughs> I, know, I totally get that. Freaking Thursdays, man. But shoot, give everybody a little background of kind of what you're getting into these days, just so everybody has a little bit of mm-hmm. reference for you. Awesome. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Casey Roeder. I have about six years of digital marketing experience. I have worked at leading agencies that you may have heard of today, such as Hawk Media, Mute 6, IPG, and Client Boost. My experience from that has taught me how to run an agency that you are going to learn about today, which is Skylab Media. Again, we're an omni-channel marketing agency, and we touch on various verticals in this space. And we also partner with VC Capital Funding for those that want to reach offline brick-and-mortar retail stores. Ooh, I'm already getting excited for this one. We've had so many guests, and I think this one's going to really speak to a lot of our audiences because, I mean, shoot, everybody's all over the place. But, I mean, when it comes to businesses scaling up, looking to, you know, get more brick-and-mortar locations or get funded, I mean, this is going to be a juicy one. Exactly. So with y'all's current kind of, you know, client base over there, do y'all, would, would you say you have a bread and butter at all? Or is it kind of, hey, man, we can just run ads kind of anywhere with our systems out of curiosity? So we focus mainly on e-com. We have about 70% of our clients in that space. And then we have about 30% in the gen B2B. Our main focus is really honing in on those that are on Shopify. And with that, as you know, comes with many different verticals. What we use is in a wide net of our experience. And we apply those methodologies for those verticals that we're in. 
from there will expand on different platforms that maybe that client hasn't touched on. And we use the same approach. At the end of the day, the overall mission is to make sure that each client is growing year over year. And we also focus on client service. So what in that approach, we make sure that our clients have the dedicated team and the resources that they need. So for example, you're working at other agencies, typically that account manager has 15 to 20 accounts at once. So you're paying what, five, $6,000 in management fees, but you only get one hour of their time. So it doesn't really make any sense. We shifted that process into a six to one client to staff ratio where all, all of our staff have a strict policy focusing on six accounts at any given time. Oh, and I love that because, I mean, these days you kind of hit it right on the head. I mean, you could have an account manager managing 15 to 20 accounts. So, I mean, there's no personal connection there, actual relationships. So, I mean, that's what, you know, really affects that retention rate over there. Exactly. The white glove service, man, it goes a long way because, I mean, when you can connect with clients on a real personal matter, you know, whether you're going through good storms or bad, I mean, that relationship can be a make it or break it. So, I mean, I definitely think you'll are onto something there with that kind of, you know, really white glove service. Totally. And, you know, too often than none, most clients leave for that reason alone. It's not that performance is that detrimental. It's that they are paying for a service that they're not getting. And, you know, my experience and my staff, we are from those agencies that we worked with in the past and we see it time and time again. And I think that too many agencies are focused on getting acquired or they're focusing on the revenue. At the end of the day, you want to keep your clients, you want to retain them and grow them and you want to see them succeed. Well, you better make sure that you have unbeatable customer support. It's- oh, without a doubt. Now, I love this because... Being back in the whole white label agency land, I feel like the average retention for, you know, the I guess the, the pop-up agencies was two, maybe three months with an established agency like yourself. How long do y'all typically work with clients? For us, um, most of our clients are more than one year. Uh, we have some clients that have been with us for the life of Skylab Media. So I think it really depends on that business need. There are times where we get to the point where they wouldn't would want to move in-house, uh, being that they need more resources, maybe that they're, the team that they built out, the VC capital funding that they're getting requires them to move in-house. But at the end of the day, if you're really good at what you do and you provide an unmatched service to that client, there's no reason they would leave us. So we place a huge emphasis, again, on customer support, retention, and providing the services that they need that best fits uh, their vertical. So long story short, it's definitely more than a year. Um, the longest clients that we have are still with us today from the start of Skylab Media. Oh, and if you're looking to vet agencies, that's always a good, great question. Because, I mean, shoot, if, if you got those, you know, grandfathered accounts in there, you know you're in good hands typically. <laughs> yep. Well, sweet. Exactly. How big is y'all's team out of curiosity? Uh, so we're a small boutique agency. Right now, we have about 11 employees. And with that, as you know, we typically manage six uh, clients at any given time. So you do the math. Uh, we've only been around for two and a half years. But this year, we definitely are on path to continue to scale up. Hell yeah. 
Well, snap, man. Well, let's get to the nitty gritty good stuff of the podcast. So we love to hear about what's working in the digital marketing world. So what's your rich ad? Right now, I think the best example is using one of our longstanding clients, Aquila Eyewear. They're located in Los Angeles, California. They operate GSC on e-com. Some of you may know that brand or some of you may not. But a perfect example is a creative that we came up with is a kind of like a two for one. It showcases the product and in the background is an animation of butterflies. And so we have different colors that we tested. We did yellow, red, black. We did we tested different formats, whether it's one by one or nine by sixteen on Facebook and Instagram. And with that, that creative alone helped move the needle in terms of spending twenty five hundred dollars a month to over twenty thousand dollars a month in ad spend. And they that creative itself did so did so well that their stock ran out of inventory. Um, so that was that's a good problem to have when your inventory runs out. Um, so that's one good example. We still use that creative until this day because of the social proof and the engagement of that ad creative itself. What we'll do in that sense, we'll take that ad and we'll put them into new audiences that we want to test in Upper Funnel. And that's a quick way to scale up um, in advertising. Interesting. Yeah, I'm on the site right now and Man, that first image that pops up, that blurry one, that makes you want to look around hardcore. Did y'all design the website as well? Uh, we did not. Um, actually, Chris and Steve did a really good job creating this website themselves through, obviously, Shopify. Uh, they have templates that are easily customizable, um, but that's something that we did not touch. They're naturally creative. Uh, they have a very good eye to begin with, so... It's sharp. Yeah. I mean, on the ad library and y'all some killer creatives. Yeah. They pop, man. This is solid. Now, when it comes to the creative side of things, are y'all more of a, do you put a lot of focus on the the videos for this type of brand or is it more static image or what do you kind of see as work the best there? That's great question. Yeah. So we focus on two things, static and video. The biggest reason why is based on our experience, when you A-B test video versus static, it's all really going to depend on that vertical and the product itself. So for example, we found that when it comes to apparel, if you hit it in both video content and static imagery, you're more likely to convert. And the reason why we're saying this is because when you hit users at top of the funnel with video content, it's going to be a great thumb stopper if you have really compelling creative. In that same token, if that person does not convert at the very beginning, okay, unfortunately, you know, they're not converting. So how are we going to hit them for two for one? We move them down into that marketing funnel and we hit them with static imagery from their product catalog feed. And because we're able to make it dynamic, they're more likely to look at different products in that same uh, collection of imagery and they're able to convert in that sense. So we do two for one. That makes sense. So with this kind of customer journey, do y'all have a pretty extensive back end or even ad account? I'm sure y'all are over multiple platforms here, but do you have a pretty specific flow for conversions, basically, you know, top of funnel, middle funnel, bottom of funnel, or are y'all pretty simple on the kind of structure side of things these days? You'd be surprised. You know, our experience has taught us to keep it incredibly simple. 
you know, you're, you need to be able to pivot and, and adapt when it comes to any type of advertising platform. I think the biggest component is making sure that your creative is super compelling. Everything else will follow behind that. And so when you have a very clean structure in place on Facebook, for example, that will help drive the needle into other platforms such as Google, uh, TikTok, Snap, etc. Those users are already cap- captured by that pixel. They may be familiar with that brand. So we'll hit them with remarketing on Google. Um, if that user signed up for 10%, they will get an email blast. And from there, they will get hit with a series of different automations based on those uh, email campaigns. So we try to keep it as very blended in terms of different platforms that we want to use. You know, a lot of times you're not going to get that customer to convert at the first get around, the first go. So we need to make sure that we have other platforms in play. And you already know because of iOS 14.5, it's going to be that much harder to get a user to convert from the from the get-go to begin with. So you need to be able to diversify your portfolio when it comes to digital marketing, or you will not be able to be long-term in terms of success. Oh, 100%. And with us kind of chatting on some of the newer updates, I mean, I used to look at a lot of just, you know, platform-specific metrics. Is that something y'all do or still do? Or are you kind of looking at MER, that, you know, marketing efficiency ratio there? So we look at the bottom line. So most clients are on Shopify. So we're looking at the backend analytics to see month over month, whether or not performance is improving. That's going to be your biggest key indicator of, okay, what is working, what is not working. And then we look at the backend of, again, the platforms that we use, whether it's Facebook, Snap, TikTok, and we combine that with the knowledge of Google Analytics and create goals. And we determine based on a a wide variety of different numbers and metrics, what is working on the account and what's not. The biggest thing is for anyone listening out there, if you're currently stuck with iOS 14.5 and your ads are taking on on Facebook or other platforms, you need to make sure that you're looking at your, your Google Analytics to see where the traffic is coming from, looking at your source and referral, and making sure that you build out those goals on the back end to track from start to finish, where users are dropping off in that marketing funnel. Yeah, I love this, man. This, this is some juicy stuff. Right? And another thing, too, is if you feel like you're stuck on advertising and you don't think you're getting enough conversions when it comes to, uh, I would say, those that are DTC, really hone in on your email. Make sure that you build out a compelling offer. Get those people to sign up into your email list. That's going to be the easiest way to get someone to convert at a cheaper cost. You have their email, great. If Let's say you have a, a longer attribution window. Well, you already have their contact information. So you're more likely to be able to get them to convert at a cheaper cost without using any paid advertising. It's a, a win-win all around. You just need to know how to pivot when it comes to any changes on advertising. Now, speaking of email, I love to follow Chase Diamond. I'm sure you're familiar with him. What's what's a solid kind of email to revenue ratio? I mean, I always hear you know people preaching 30, 35% is when it's kind of in that prime. Do you see something kind of similar there? Yeah, and I think that when it comes to platforms that you're 
you're hand in hand in hand in hand on. So for example, Facebook, that traffic is eventually going to be on their email list, right? Yeah. So you roll out an email blast the following week of a, uh, an offer, nine out of 10 times, those people are going to convert. And is it healthy to have a lot of your revenue from email? Yes. But you don't want to solely rely on email as your bread and butter. That makes sense. That's a great way to put it too. Because yeah, I, I fall into the trap. Oh, you're only getting 10% of your revenue via email. You got to crank that baby up or something. So it's it's a very easy trap to fall into because yeah, I mean, especially with how these platforms are going, you want to own this data. So I mean, whether it's SMS, email, freaking get as much of that as you can. Exactly. This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's ad card. The only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend. And if you're an ad agency that manages seven or even eight figures a year in media and ad spend for your clients, and you're looking to double your profits over the next six to 12 months, then check out ad card. See, the typical agency model is this. You charge 10% of your spend, you make 10 to 20% margin at the end of the day. So that's really one to 2% of your client's spend that is profit in your business. The easiest way to double that is to really find a way to earn in that one to 2% cash back of the card that is on file of your client's ad account. And before ad card, what you had to do was invoice all your clients for their ad spend up front, which is really difficult on a cash flow basis and very difficult ask. And then you had to put the card on your own Amex or whatever card of choice to get that level of value back into your business. With AdCard, it's entirely different and streamlined. You simply get your clients on AdCard and make yourself the agency of record and you'll get the cash back as long as you're managing the ad spend. It's a great way to double your profit without doing any additional work. Check it out at FunnelDash.com. Now, while this is a very good rich ad here, I like to dive into something that's just ruthless, you know, something you thought would probably kill it that maybe crash and burned. So what's your poor ad in this digital marketing world? We'll use the same client, Aquila. We like to do a variety of different A-B testing based on imagery, based on bid strategies. Again, going back to Facebook, one of the concepts that we built out was um, kind of twister. <laughs> one of the things that we did was we wanted to diverse, diversify their por- portfolio offerings. So in that same token, we started to branch out into optical, optical eyewear. Um, you may already know movement is a great example of pivoting in that space. So Aquila wanted to do the same thing. It was not successful <laughs> like we thought it would be. And we did it during off-peak off peak season, so away from the summer months. And we still found that it was not as successful. The biggest reason why, I think, is that there are so many competitors in the space at a cheaper cost. You know, this product was about $100. And I think for most users around that same time period, it was during COVID. And mm-hmm. so why would a user spend $100 when they can get the same thing on Amazon for 20 So it kind of made sense as to why those ads were not as successful. We did a bunch of uh, tests, static, video, different placements, different bid strategies. It just didn't move the needle. doesn't mean to say that it won't work in the future. But during that time period, it just was not as successful. 
that's okay though, because we still had many other products to offer to consumers. And I think that's the biggest key takeaway is if you have a poor product or an ad that is not going to convert, you need to understand to pivot into a different product, a different ad so that you can keep the revenue going. It's not always going to be roses in the garden. You need to learn how to know what's going to work in your space. Now, with y'all kind of branching out, when do y'all determine, hey, this test is not working? Is there is it an ad spend threshold or is it more of a timeline threshold? It's more of a, a ROAS goal. And mm-hmm. it also depends on that client. So some clients focus on a CPA, some clients focus on the LTB, AOB, you know, all that. So for us, for this client, it's more about the ROAS. Are we making money for them? Are they profitable in this product category? And at that case, in this example, it definitely was not. Um, so we relied on other products to make sure that the momentum was still going strong. And it also depends on where you're at in advertising too. So for example, if you're just starting out, I I think people need to know that it's going to take more than three months to get yep. the ball rolling there. If you're a client that has been in advertising for over a year or two, there's all that data that you can already play with to learn what's going to work and what's not going to work on platforms like Facebook and the timing, seasonality, making sure that those products that you are pushing out into advertising make sense. Now, with that three months to kind of run time to really get things moving and grooving, did you have that same thought perspective maybe last year? Or is this something newer you've noticed out of curiosity? Always. I think that, for example, same client, we actually, when we started working with them over two years ago, we were starting in the off-peak season. So we were heading into September and October. And the one thing that we do is we set the expectation with our clients. They know off, off the bat what they're getting into in terms of their marketing proposal. With us, they get a 90-day roadmap. And then from there, they get a weekly QA. So we know we make sure that nothing falls through the cracks. Another thing is setting, again, setting that expectation. If we know that we're going into an off-peak season, what are some ways that we can make sure that they are at least breaking even? And so how do we do that? We make sure that the framework of that advertising structure is in place. We make sure that we're collecting email leads so that when it comes to spring and the warmer months, they we can remarket them in that sense. So the client knew this ahead of time. Our biggest goal was building up and building up the data on Facebook and Instagram and then hit the iron wall taut, if you will. Yeah, no, and I think you hit it right on the head because it's it's case by case. And I mean, I even feel like this year alone, it's gotten, you know, three or four times more difficult with just high ad costs, with new ad accounts, just more and more competitive out there, the whole tracking updates. So, I mean... For, for brands starting out this time of year, I feel like you, you got to give it a little bit more leeway or, you know, at least, you know, set those expectations right because it's kind of the wild, wild west right now to where mm-hmm. things are very different than they were even this time last year, you know? And it's funny that you mentioned that because I can think of another example of a client that I worked with around, I would say, May, June of last year, right when things were really taking a nosedive in terms of fulfillment orders, COVID, all those things that a lot of clients were struggling with. And for example, this client that we had was already putting in their 30-day notice. I came in 
I looked at the account on Facebook and Instagram, looked at Google to determine, okay, what's not working. And back then during that time period, we were dealing with the CCPA regulations in California. Mm-hmm. And looking at the data, we learned that over 50% of those sales were coming from California alone. So that's a huge drop in revenue. So how do we combat that? How do we pivot? It's all about pivoting, guys. So you need to always be on the pulse, think two steps ahead of all your competitors and prepare for what may impact performance. So because of that knowledge and that experience, we built out a new strategy. We made sure that we cleaned up the framework, the structure. We moved everything into, at least for lookalike audiences, into CBO. And that is going to help us scale a lot quicker. And so because of just that firsthand knowledge, um, this account went from leaving us to getting acquired within a year because of the form, the performance that we brought forth. And so, for example, this account was spending roughly thirty dollars to $40,000 in ad spend. By the end of the year, we were spending over $300,000 a month. Damn, that's quite a 180. Now, you mentioned CBO. Are you still on that CBO train or have y'all moved to ABO out of curiosity? It's super off topic, I guess, but I'm... <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I think it comes down to your marketing budget. If you know you're just starting out spending five to ten thousand dollars, CBO makes no sense because you're in the in the you're in the period of testing uh, with new audiences and creative. You don't have enough pixel data to move your upper funnel into CBO. It gets to the point where you're spending thirty thousand or more. Does CBO make sense? And with that, you have to make sure. Okay, does CBO make sense? Uh, upper, lower, middle, etc. It really depends. My biggest advice is making sure your CBO isn't lookalikes only. Some of you out there may be like, oh, duh, that makes sense. But a lot of you actually might not know that CBO is best meant for lookalikes because those audiences that you're testing most likely have the same amount of reach. And so CBO makes perfect sense because it could evenly distribute those ad dollars into those ad sets. Too often do I see a lot of media buyers putting their CBO, smaller campaigns, different type of audience sizes, and that CBO in itself only spends on one ad set. Well, the biggest reason why is because your audience sizes are too different. So naturally, it's going to favor the one that has the largest size and reach. Man, I'm learning something new there. That's super interesting. And, and it makes sense too, because yeah, sometimes I'll throw a broad with the lookalikes in there and that'll get all the freaking budget, vice versa. And I try and keep lookalikes, you know, in its own campaign and separate from interest and whatnot. But yeah, that the audience size makes sense because I'll throw two percent, four percent, seven percent in there. But yeah, that actually makes complete sense there. Yep. And think about it. If you have a CBO campaign and you set the budget cap at a thousand dollars. You know how much easier it is to scale that campaign alone because it's under CBO versus going in ad set by ad set, changing the budget every day. Like you want to keep it really simple. Oh, I love that. So, man, we're going to take a quick little 180, you know, with the name of the podcast being very close to a book. We love to kind of find the crossroads of the marketing and the financial side kind of world, basically. So what kind of financial tip or principle can you kind of share with the audience based off your expertise over there? I think for those that are 
a business owner and they are not only looking to use paid advertising, earned media, influencer content, strategy services, you also have to think about, okay, where else can I grow my company? And the biggest way to do that is going offline to brick and mortar. I know everyone out there is probably thinking, well, retail is dead. Actually, it's not for some that are the big players in the space, like Walmart, like Target, et cetera. Oh, so yeah. one thing that we offer at Skylab Media is a direct partnership with our VC capital firm. And in that, if you get to a point where you're scaling up to over a million dollars in revenue a year, you have direct access to those that need capital funding so that you can take your product that is doing so well in the digital space offline to brick and mortar retail locations like Target, like Walmart, like Meyer, for example, to really expand your footprint in terms of your brand. At the end of the day, the biggest takeaway from this is making sure that you diversify your, your marketing into different components, uh, whether it's offline or online. Now, out of curiosity, so this is going to be an interesting one here that's, you know, all around the brick and mortar side. But say you are, you know, in these thresholds and shoot, you have products at Walmart, Target, Best Buy. Do y'all do any paid marketing efforts to drive conversions to those more offline events or to what you actually have, you know, view performance over? Of course, you know, people are going to see an ad, maybe go to Target, you can't see that, of course. But do y'all ever have campaigns specifically designed to say, hey, we're driving this to the Target collection page or the Best Buy collection page just so we can kind of, you know, show more sales on their end. So we may get, you know, better positioning or something within the actual store itself, if that kind of makes sense. We sure do. And the reason why we do that is because most of the time when you're contracting with big box retailers, you have to meet a certain threshold of sales to keep yep. your product on the shelf line. So how are we going to go about that? You know, most people are shopping online and you might get a better deal online. The problem is when you're working with big box retailers, they want to keep their price at the lowest cost. They want to make sure that you're converting. So how do you go about that? How do you compete with that? We make sure that we're offering different messaging for those that are more likely to shop um, on retail. We make sure that our campaigns are focusing on foot traffic. It's really going to depend on your budget. Most of the time, if you want to track offline conversions into those brick and mortar stores, you need to make sure that your product is connected to the beacons of the world. And in order to do that, you have to do measurement studies. And most of the time, typically they're over fifty dollars to $100,000 a month. And so if you're not, if you don't have that budget, which you should by that point, if you're making over a million on Best Buy or Walmart, et cetera, and we just we come up with a formula that works best for that client and that that vertical. That makes definite sense. That's it's interesting there because yeah, I didn't realize this. they had those caps to say, hey, if you're not getting enough sales, you're out of here, bud. But it adds up, huh? So man, we're coming to a close here. Anything kind of cool cooking in the pipeline over at Skylabs, or you know, and how can people kind of you know get in touch with you essentially? Right. So at Skylab Media, our contact information, you can reach out to me personally. It's Casey, C-A-S-E-Y, at SkylabMediaLLC.com. You can also visit our website. You can visit our social handles. It's all the same name. 
what's cooking in the pipeline for us mm-hmm. is we're going to continue growing our team. We're expanding our services. One thing that we're definitely honing in on is TikTok. We are focusing on making sure that those that are small to medium to large have a presence on TikTok. I know a lot of you people out there are like, mm, I'm sticking with Instagram. TikTok <laughs> is the future. If you want to know how to pivot and learn how to diversify your portfolio, that is the new wave. And studies show that typically most buyers are between the ages of 20 to 35. And they're using that platform more than ever. So if you feel confused, if you have no idea how to market on TikTok, we are the agency for you and definitely reach out to us for that. Hell yeah. And y'all heard it. SkylabMediaLLC.com slash TikTok for the TikTok goods. Well, Casey, man, thanks for jumping on. Likewise, it's a pleasure and everyone stay safe out there. so much for listening to another episode of the rich ad poor ed podcast if you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go go ahead and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify youtube and richadpoored.com slash podcast and if you absolutely love the show go ahead and leave a review and a comment share with a friend if you do take a copy screenshot of it email me zach at funnel-com show me you left a review and i'll give you a free copy of the rich ad poor ed book to learn more about the book go to richadpoored.com to leave a review, go to richadpored.com slash review. Thanks again.